The pre-med path can be super confusing. If you'd love some help on your path or on your applications, use the promo code PMY for pre-med years, PMY over at medicalschoolhq.net and get some help from some of our experts, former directors of admissions, admissions officers, other experts. We have a small team ready to help you today. Again, that's promo code PMY to get a discount on our services at medicalschoolhq.net. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm gonna show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Medical School HQ Podcast, session number 34. Hello and welcome back to another session here at the Medical School Headquarters Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Gray. We are the podcast about medical school, taking you through the pre-med process, medical school, and even through residency. We're here to take your knowledge of becoming a physician to the next level. And today I take it to the next level with a very popular social media pre-med person. And I say person because when I initially reached out to this social media account, I didn't really know who was behind it. I didn't know if it was a real person. I didn't know if it was an actual pre-med student. It could have been some 60-year-old uh, Billy Bob from the middle of nowhere just having fun with pre-med people. The account that I'm talking about is Pre-Med Princess on Twitter. She has... 9,000-plus followers as of this recording, and she basically spreads the pre-med gospel on Twitter. And she's doing some other stuff as well, now sharing her experiences going through the pre-med process, helping other pre-med students out there, and giving a lot of encouragement and and motivation to the other pre-med students. So I initially reached out to her and found out that, yes, it is actually a a real pre-med person, and her name is Martini, and I let her tell her story. And one of the biggest things that I found from talking to her is that she's very similar to myself. The, the initial falling in love with anatomy, the kind of slap in the face that was the MCAT. As you hear her story, you'll hear how she was a great student. She was an athlete in college, a full ride to college uh, for her athletic ability, and the MCAT snuck up on her, and she she didn't respect the MCAT as as we've come to to now say. And that that was the biggest thing that I wanted her to share with with everybody, and to realize that even if you are an excellent test taker, even if you have great grades, even if you ace the SAT, the ACT, the MCAT is going to be a total different beast, and and you have to prepare for it totally differently. So to get started with Martini, we talk about when she initially knew she wanted to be a doctor. I actually never even imagined um, being anything other than dealing with science. I thought about being a vet at 
one time and a marine biologist. I've always been interested in oceans and obviously the animals dwelling within the oceans. And I've always loved animals as well. But I I think I realized I wanted I loved people more than animals in high school. Um, I would every doctor visit, it just intrigued me, everything that they were doing. And then um, it kind of ties into what happened with my sister whenever she was little. I've used that for my um, motivation and inspiration. But I took anatomy in high school, and that kind of just solidified everything. I never loved a subject even more. I honestly didn't really like studying until I took that class, and it just everything seemed to fall in place. I would willingly study for hours each night. And I never really did that before. And it just, something clicked. And I was like, you know what? This is exactly what I want to do for the rest of my life. And um, I've kind of solidified that over the years, volunteering and shadowing, obviously. And um, continuing my study throughout undergrad. That's funny because that's almost the exact same story that I had. Really? (laughs) Anatomy was my my go-to. I I was the anatomy guy. I... I've told the story how it was anatomy class in high school. I dissected a cat, and I knew then that that I was going to be a surgeon. And right, I, I was bringing in power tools from home, and everybody was looking <laughs> at me funny. And so it's it's funny. And, and even through medical school, I carried my own dissection kit in my purse. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a little crazy. <laughs> yeah. it, it's, it, chunks of flesh falling off in your purse, <laughs> pulling out your it credit card. It. We love it, don't we? Okay. Everyone else would be grossed out and think it's weird, but so let, let's. I want to take a step back and and try to figure out for you and then for others listening. How did you go from knowing that okay, maybe being a doctor is what you want to do because you loved anatomy and and you knew all that? Where did you? find out that you had to do the shadowing or or, or should do shadowing and, and do the volunteering? I, um, my uncle actually invited me to come to the office. I was telling him, you know, my desire to pursue medicine. And I think it was my freshman year in college, I decided to be a biology major. And obviously, then I was considered pre-med. And um, he's a pediatrician. And I just started going with him to his clinic, as well as rounds at the hospital. And I just fell in love. Most people are scared of hospitals, and I just feel completely at home. Like, I don't want to be anywhere else besides the hospital. So that's when I started, um, like I said, my freshman year in college. So. Okay, so so you had a family member who was a physician. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. A- any other physicians in the family? Um, yes, my cousin. He is um, chief... He's a chief neurosurgeon at at some army hospital. I forget, but I don't. Um, I mean, I talk to him not as much as obviously I talk to my uncle, okay. who's just a pediatrician. Okay. So, how long ago did your uncle go through the process? Um, roughly. I want to say fifteen years ago. He's forty. He oh. set out a year. He's two. old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so, so you have kind of a, a built-in resource. Right. Okay. Did Definitely you, a lot of references for shadowing, which has helped me out tremendously. Yeah. That, so. 
that is definitely key. Uh-huh. Okay, so let's talk about the 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 college years. What mm-hmm. y- you said you majored in biology, right? And just it, some people listening might be uh, a little confused. So we, we're talking past tense here because you've already graduated college, correct? I, yeah, right. Okay. I graduated in May this year. Oh, congrats! Thank you. <laughs> so, starting off. Uh, your your pre med path in college mm-hmm. as a biology major, how how did you find the the pre med world? Did were you overwhelmed? Were classes easy? They were. I mean, a lot of people. I don't want to say a lot, but a few people struggle with their freshman year, and I think it's adapting to everything. I had good study habits in high school, and I just you know, made them even better in college. And I didn't, it was easy for me in the beginning, like my freshman year, but my sophomore year when I was taking physics and then my junior year, when I took organic chemistry, then I started to struggle. I never struggled with a class until organic chemistry too. But, um, yeah. Okay. When you say you had good study habits in high school and you strengthened them in college, now, you were an athlete, correct? It, right. right. I played three sports in high school. Okay, so that kind of mm-hmm. forced you to be a good student. Yep. Okay. It definitely did. It kept me on a schedule. I would go to, I would be in school all day, and then obviously practice two or three hours, then come home and study, and I just did the same thing in college. It just, it's like second nature, like built into me. That's what I need to do. Okay. And, Doing it over so many years. And were you participating in sports in college as well? Yes, I was on a full ride for track, so I definitely had to take that serious. Awesome. So, yeah. And where where did you go to undergrad? I went to Glenville State College. It's a small Division II school in um, West Virginia. Okay. I had a couple D1 offers, but obviously you can't pass down a full ride, and I knew med school would obviously be an arm and a leg, so I wanted to be debt-free coming out of undergrad. Yeah. And that's, I think that is uh, very fiscally responsible. So <laughs> I congratulate you for that. I think so too now. Yeah, good. All right. So let's talk about, y- you said classes were kind of easy. What was your mm-hmm. GPA? Um, I th- It was close. To, I can't remember exactly. It was close to a 4.0 my freshman um, year. Sophomore year is about a 3.8, and then I consistently kept about 3.7, 6 or, or above um, ending out, and then I finished with like a 3.75. Which is pretty good. Yeah. So 3.75, <laughs> uh, a full-time athlete, pre-med. I'm assuming right. you were doing the normal volunteering, shadowing, all the other kind of works, stuff that you right. had to do. Right, all that fluffy. <laughs> yes. Okay. So... From from the picture I'm getting, you'd be uh, at this point a shoe in, kind of for med school. You're you're the perfect a- uh, applicant. You, right. You're well rounded because you have that uh, athletic side, that experience of being away from books that a lot of mm-hmm. admissions committees like. Right. Well, you, you one would think. One would think. <laughs> okay. So let's let's talk about. And, and one of the biggest reasons I wanted to have you on is to share your experience with the MCAT. Talk talk yeah. about when you, I, I I don't want to say first found out about the MCAT, but when you started 
kind of dipping your toe in the MCAT world and, and we'll go from there. I mean, it, it basically was finding out. I didn't realize until my junior year, I think the spring of my junior year, when you should have already been preparing your sophomore year, I knew which classes I needed for medical school, but I didn't really know anything about the MCAT. I didn't know what subjects were tested. Um, but my teacher was like, hey, you're a junior. Um, you're going to be applying. Have you taken your MCAT yet? And I was like, MCAT, what's that? What is that? I've never even heard of that before. And I, I didn't even know about it. I did not know anything about it in high school. I just thought you went to college, you had good grades, you could apply to medical school and get in. I just thought it was easy as pie. And I was completely and totally wrong. So, so let me stop you there. How did you not know about the MCAT? Um, they never really talked about it at, in high school. I honestly, it was never even brought up, I don't think. Okay, but in were, you in, were you involved in any kind of pre-med um, committees or clubs in, in undergrad? See, that's the um, problem with being Division Two. We didn't have any pre-med club. Um, there was no pre-med program in my undergrad. And I think we had one... She was just considered a pre-med advisor, just one professor. And she, I mean, <laughs> that's about it. It wasn't huge at our school. I went to a um, liberal arts college, and that's why I picked biology. Obviously, I love science, or else I would have majored in micro mm -hmm. or something other than that. But like I said, it pre-med wasn't huge in my undergrad, and I never even heard of the MCAT before. Okay, so that would explain it, and yeah. and you weren't browsing around like student doctor network and and searching for all the information you you could because I mean you were busy as a full time mm. athlete and, and right. studying for all your courses. I never even considered. Okay. I, I didn't even know what student doctor network was either until <laughs> my junior senior year. Okay, all right. So. It was junior year. You find out this this test called the MCAT. You're like, oh, I'm a good student. I have great grades. It, it's just another test like the SAT, the ACT, whatever. Right. I, I'll just go in, take it. Did you take any kind of prep course? Did you know about prep courses? I didn't. I had no idea about prep courses. I just went to Barnes & Noble, my local bookstore, and went to the um, test prep section, found the first MCAT book that looked pretty good. It was like the thickest one. So I thought, oh, well, you know, that should work. And I grabbed it and I literally probably studied a couple days before just like reading through just simple things. And I was like, eh, I don't know why I bought this. I don't even need it. And I took that test and <laughs> completely okay. wrong. Okay. So we won't talk about the, the result yet, but you did. I'd rather not. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. <laughs> You didn't, no, it's okay. You didn't take any practice tests? Not at all. Not the first time now. Okay. So you you went in blind. I did. Very blind. I went in thinking, you know, obviously I've made good grades. I thought I was intelligent enough. I thought I would be fine. I didn't study for the ACT, and I did pretty well. It got me out of some college courses that I didn't need to take, and I just thought it would be, oh, you know, I only need a 24 for these two medical schools in state, that's the only place I want to go, either or. And um, yeah, 
couple points shy. Yeah. So, so take me through your your mindset of sitting in that test and, and actually taking it. Did were you confident taking it? Um. At first, yes, I went in very confident, thinking I would do well. And once I saw that first passage, all of my confidence went down the drain. <laughs> so, okay. yeah, and, it was not. And that for for early pre-meders out there that are listening, it might mm-hmm. not still might not understand the the importance that we're trying to get across here of of how the MCAT isn't like anything else that you're you've ever seen before. And Nothing. right. It's it's not a test that says two plus two equals A B C D pick one. It's right. it is very much a test that that challenges your thinking ability. And you go, well, okay, I'm smart, I can think, but it's 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 very strange. It's it's different than thinking normally. It's thinking for the MCAT. Right. Would you agree with that? Oh, completely. Um, It's nothing like, I don't think, well, I personally have never experienced anything, not even the ACT or the SAT was even similar to that. I think the MCAT is a marathon. It's, you know, roughly four to five hours. You have to really be prepared. And most of us, you know, sit in class for like, what, an hour or so Um, in college, even in high school. We're not even trained to think for that long of period of time and it's just it's rough <laughs> you really have to be prepared definitely not what i did okay so it, it i like to say it's a test it's not a test of knowledge it's a test to see how well you can take tests and more specifically how well you can take the mcat because you're saying it was nothing like you ever saw and then myself i've already been through medical school uh, um, mm-hmm. i'm working as a as a physician i've taken the boards it's not like anything that you'll see ever again as well. So it's it's one of those tests that just it, you need to respect it and learn from it. So you got your score back and mm-hmm. you did poorly. We don't need to talk about numbers here. Right. But <laughs> uh, below average, I'm assuming. Yes. Which which is... Slightly, but yes. Yeah. And, and that's expected. I, right. That's that's normal for somebody that's taking the first practice test, and you took the first. <laughs> your first quote unquote practice test was the real thing, right? And so, where did you go from there? How did how did you how did you correct course and go? Okay, I I totally screwed that up, and now I need to fix it. Where did you go? Well, um, I. I was in the process of applying. I actually just applied without an MCAT score. And I got, I took it in May. I got it back in June. I already sent my applications in and I saw that score and I was like, oh no, that, and you know, it's on your MCAT, your record forever. You can't erase it. So that's what's so important about taking practice tests and making sure that you feel confident and you're prepared enough for that exam because I wish I could take that score back and I can't. But obviously, I needed to retake it, and then I was rushed. My application was needed. I mean, I sent it in in June with that score that I just received, and then I had to schedule another date for about two months in August. And again, that, I mean, you get two months to study. I don't even think that's enough time. And 
I didn't really want to study in the summer. You know, I didn't force myself enough. And um, I retook it. And then the scores came back in September. Well, they already send out interviews and secondaries by September. And then that's another few weeks before they even get yours. So that's where I went. And I didn't leave myself enough time to study for the second one, which I did do better on, believe it or not. <laughs> okay. It's a little bit, but... So. And and between the first one and the second one, you you're saying you probably didn't study enough. No, I I don't even. I think I took one practice test, and again, I that's not nearly enough. And I misjudged again. I got um, it was like a twenty eight or twenty nine, and I thought, oh, you know, I'm done there. I studied a little bit. That's enough. I'll take it the second time. I know what I'm doing. I already took it once, and no. That that's completely the wrong way to think about it as well. And that's that's a good score, twenty eight or twenty nine. I got a twenty seven. I got it. <laughs> I got into medical school. Right. I and, thought it was. I mean, for a practice test, it was. You know, I thought I was fine. I. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay. It, the the twenty eight or twenty nine was on the practice test, or what? That was your oh, score right. on the second one. No, no, no. That was the practice test, okay. not the second one. Okay. Mm-hmm. On the on the real thing, you scored a little bit better than your first one. Yeah, just like a couple points, okay. which okay. still wasn't enough to secure me a spot. Okay. And by that point, you're probably very late in the application season. It's hard to get a spot anyway. Right. Okay. Yep. okay. And I I was struggling to think, man, do I take it again? Do I take it next month? The last date in September. And I just said, forget it. And then that brought me to the DO, applying to the DO schools. And um, we can talk about that too if you like. Yeah, yeah. let's get into that because it's it's one of those unfortunate things. And maybe you can talk about how you got to that realization, but... It's mm-hmm. it's one of those things you see online of oh your your grades aren't good enough you should go to a do school right so how did you come to that conclusion um my friend was applying he didn't he did okay on the MCAT but he didn't want to go anywhere else besides do schools just because of um like their thinking and their view on medicine and I thought huh, forget that I'm going to you know I'm going to be an MD. And I was very ignorant about it, and I'm kicking myself now because I'm actually waitlisted at a DO school, and I toured that school, and I absolutely loved it. And I'm still crossing my fingers for this fall, although I know the ch- chances may be slim. But um, I went ahead and I applied in September, which is really late, and I still got an interview. Um, they sent me my secondary. I was thrilled. Got an interview in December, but apparently that's not... Um, one of the best times to interview because of holiday breaks, they go over break, they kind of forget about you. And then they see, you know, your MCAT score. So then they put me on hold and I didn't know anything until May. And I realized they told me I was waitlisted. So. Okay. So So you wish again, one of those kind of just, you you didn't do your homework, didn't know what a really what a deal was, what, what they're, that they're, they're really the same as an MD at this point. Oh, yeah. I mean, exactly. Just their view on medicine, I think, is the only thing that's different. And they um, perform the osteopathic manipulations. Okay. So, so yeah, I wish, that's another thing I wish I would have known. Okay. I would have applied. I would have applied the same time I applied to MD schools. And I, I'm not saying for sure, but I think I would have stood a much better chance of getting in. And I probably would be accepted. <laughs> 
there. Yeah, and yeah. and as of the time we're recording this, there's still a discrepancy in GPA and MCAT for DO schools. Although it's if you if you look at the raw numbers, getting into a DO school, it's more competitive to get into a DO school at this point. It is because a lot more students are applying there because they either don't have the MCAT or the GPA, or maybe it's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. But um, I th- some DO schools do have a required MCAT score. The one I applied to didn't, but obviously mine was still, you know, not the best by any means. And um, they, I think their average was very close to the MD schools that I was applying to. Yeah. So, so where are where- you now in the process? I... Um, obviously I'm still crossing my fingers for coming off the wait list, but I reapplied because in reality, that's probably, you know, like I said, a slim chance. So I reapplied for 2014 and I also broadened my, um, my applications instead of just applying in my state, which is ideally that's where I would like to be. But in the end, I have the same dream of becoming a physician, no matter where I get that degree from. So I've applied elsewhere, all the surrounding states, um, places I could see myself being. So I, I think one of the mistakes that people often make is they they are too narrow with their application. They go, I'm, I'm from West Virginia. All my family's here. My friends are here. This is where I want to stay. Right. And, and so they're, they're very narrow-minded with their application, whereas they, med school is the raw numbers again show that it's very hard to get in no matter where you apply. So the more, right. the more places you apply really does increase your chances of getting in because, and for, for again, students out there listening, every school looks for something different in an applicant. Every school is trying to piece together the perfect little community of students to, to make up their class for that year. And so, right. You may have been the perfect applicant for a school in Virginia, but you were only applying in West Virginia, and they didn't want any more of you as an applicant. They had plenty of you already. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely. <laughs> okay, so you, how many how many schools did you apply to the first time? Um, I applied to three, two MD and one DO, all okay. in my state. So that's very few schools. Very. And the the average, I think, right now is 14 schools that students apply to? Yes. And how many, did you, 15. How many did you apply to this time? Well, that's another story. Um, I, <laughs> I applied to, I think it might have been six DO schools total. And then I still only applied to the two MD schools um, because I'm hoping to bring my MCAT score up. And if I don't, I don't want to be... I don't want to waste that a thousand dollars. You know what I mean? When they won't even look at you if you don't have the certain score, they won't even send out the secondary if you don't meet their MCAT requirements. So right now, I'm um, banking on raising my score, and my applications are into my in-state, which I have the best shot of getting in anyway, being an in-state applicant. And um, hopefully, if my scores are raised, then I will go ahead. My application's already verified. I'll just pick the schools and send it there. I'm hoping it's not too late okay. in September, but I'd rather do that than be out thousands of dollars applying to, you know, 14, 15 schools when I don't even know if my MCAT score will raise that much. And you see when, what I'm when did you retake the MCAT? I'm planning on taking it in August, August 28th, actually. 
And how has your studying for the MCAT changed? Um, I actually bought a full set of exam crackers, which I, they're, this is surprising. They're actually interesting to read. So not only am I learning and studying there, um, I'm actually enjoying it somewhat. So I definitely recommend them and I think they're the best. I bought Kaplan, but oh well, I'm not going to bash companies, (laughs) but I just, for me, exam crackers is the best fit so far. Okay. I've found. And and what about practice tests? Um, I've been taking one a week and I'm pretty close to where I think I'll do. Um, Are you, are are you sitting down taking it like the real thing? Yeah. Well, yeah, I go to the library and I'm there by seven fifty, and I take it as I would at 8 a.m. And I um, put the headphones on so I can still it, it's like the same exact atmosphere. There's people around. Obviously, they're not walking around. There are other computers, too. Mm-hmm. It's quiet. And that's about the same atmosphere as you're in with the real MCAT. You're taking it with other students or other students taking different tests are in there with you. So I've tried to keep the same. Yeah. And you as an athlete, you know, you practice as you play, right? Right. Practice makes perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Well, perfect practice makes perfect, right? Right. (laughs) But yeah, you have to you have to mimic the real thing. A lot of I think one of the other mistakes that some students make is they take a practice test and then they do maybe a third of it in the morning and then they take a break and then they do another third in the afternoon and then tomorrow they do the the last of it and then they they try to figure out their score from that and that's how they take all of their practice tests. Right, and that's not beneficial at all in yeah. my opinion because whenever you take it, you have to take them back to back to back. Each, I mean, you get a 10-minute break, but it's four to five hours and that's what I said before it's a marathon you have to be prepared to think and solve problems for that period of time yeah so exactly so that's good so mm-hmm. it, it you you are learning along the, the the way unfortunately you started a little late but if, <laughs> if this would have been your freshman year and you started learning all this stuff you I mean You'd be awesome right now, and you right. are awesome. But you're getting there. Oh, thanks. So let's. Slowly I want to, but surely. Yeah, I want to talk about what you're doing in the online world as as premed princess on Twitter, sharing kind of sharing your your path, kind of like what I'm doing with the podcast and the website on on my end. Right. How did you get started with that? Um, you know, I this is really funny. I saw. There weren't very many pre-med accounts, obviously not nearly as many as they are now, but um, I saw one and I thought, you know, maybe I should make one because a lot of my friends started telling me how annoying all of my nerd posts were on (laughs) regular Twitter and talking about studying all the time and all the things I was learning in science that I was so excited to share and no one else appreciated. So I just figured I'd make a pre-med account. And obviously, I'm girly, so I thought, oh, you know, pre-med, princess, you know, that kind of sounds pretty cool. And um, I just started from there. And how long ago was that? Actually, it was a year, almost, it's almost a year anniversary. August 2nd is when I started. That's awesome. Almost 10,000 followers. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. I know, it's a huge feat. 
What kind almost of, got that K after my name. <laughs> what kind of feedback are you getting? Um, really good feedback, actually. I have set up an email um, to where students can contact me and ask me any questions. And I try to help them. If I don't know an answer, I try to find someone that does. Like, if you follow me on Twitter, you see that I reference people ask so-and-so. This person will be better to ask. Um, I've gotten a lot of great feedback. I think it's been really beneficial to pre-med students in particular. And also, um, like, pre-pharmacy and pre-dental and PA and nurses, too. Mm -hmm. I have, like, a wide variety of followers. And um, I recently created that ask.fm account where they can um, ask questions. And that's been a huge hit. I've been answering so many questions a day. Don't so, let it interfere with your MCAT studying. I, <laughs> I've been trying not to. That's, that's awesome. And I, I think it's important for, for students going through the process to share. And one of the things that I try to do here is, is try to break down that, the whole pre-med and the, the gunner mentality. It, it is a competitive process getting into medical school, but that doesn't mean you have to cut down the person next to you to, to succeed. Right. You have to be a jerk. No. Yeah. You, you don't have to. And I, and I always right. talk about two heads are better than one. You can find a good study partner and both of you can do better. Um, I agree too. And typically as um, a physician, you have another physician working alongside you, whether it's in the clinic or you have a whole team of physicians in a hospital. So I don't really get the gunner attitude either. The only man for himself when you're not alone as a doctor, typically. And even if you are, if you're the only doctor in your practice, you know, you have nurses that help you out. And it's just, yeah, I'm anti-gunner too. <laughs> exactly. So. You work in a team these days. And right. If, if you're a gunner going through the pre-med process, a gunner going through medical school, then you, as soon as you finally are a doctor, you're going to have a hard time working with everybody else because you're, right. you're used to going it alone and, and, and throwing everybody else under the bus. Right. So hopefully, <laughs> no one's going to want to work with you. <laughs> no. So yeah, the, and, and that's part of, again, what we try to do here is, is get that teamwork building uh, early on. Let's talk about some of the key points that you, you wish when you started out as pre-med as a freshman that some key points that you can tell those that are in high school now they're just starting on their pre-med journey to to get them going down the right path definitely start preparing for the MCAT I don't think there's ever um, too early to start preparing obviously if you haven't taken the courses yet but um, start preparing early buy a really good set of um, practice um, like prep books again I recommend exam crackers that just suits me personally but other people have done well with Kaplan, with Princeton Review, Berkeley. So either whatever suits you. Um, I also recommend taking the MCAT the spring of your junior year before the summer, which you apply a year in advance to medical school. And I recommend studying the fall all the way through, trying to fit some time um, in your busy schedule with undergrad to study for it and prepare. Um. Also, I wouldn't count out DO schools. I would consider both MD and DO schools. Okay. And um, I think that's about it. Okay. 
and let me just explain some of the points that you just made. Applying or, or taking the MCAT in the spring of your junior year allows you enough time to get your score back before you apply, right? It does, yeah. Taking it, I mean, I'd at least take it in, I would say take it in March or so. Mm-hmm. And, and that's it, just in case you do you don't do as well as you want to do, you can rethink submitting those applications because, because it is uh, some schools will look at reapplicants as a, as a red flag. Some schools don't, some schools do. It's just one of those things. Right. And, and I was a reapplicant. I got in my second time. You're a reapplicant now. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's not impossible as a reapplicant, but some schools may uh, hold that as a red flag against you. Right. I think you definitely um, have to be prepared if you do get interviews to say what you did differently in your gap year and um, how you prepared yourself. Exactly. And how you bettered yourself. Okay. So. All right, folks, that was Pre-Med Princess on Twitter. There will be links to follow her on Twitter on the show notes. You can find the show notes, medicalschoolhq.net slash session. 34. I want you also to continue the conversation with us. There's a couple different ways to do that. You can follow us on Twitter at Medical School HQ. You can shoot us an email, feedback at medicalschoolhq.net, or you can just go to the show, mo- the show notes and leave a comment there at medicalschoolhq.net slash session 34. Also, I'm soliciting some feedback questions uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and one of the the best podcast episodes that I like from different shows is when listeners call in and ask a bunch of questions, and the the podcast host answers those questions. So we have a way for you to ask questions. If you go to medicalschoolhq.net slash feedback, there will be a couple different ways for you to send us a question so that we can have, uh, I want to have a show dedicated to listener questions. So that'd be awesome if you could do that. Again, as I always like to ask, if you find great value in this podcast and you haven't done so yet, if you can go leave us a rating on iTunes, leave us a review on iTunes, that's how other students find us. And that's how iTunes knows what shows to rank higher so that we're a little bit more visible in iTunes. So you can do that at medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes. As always, I hope the information provided to you today will help better guide you on your path to becoming a physician. I hope you join us next time here at the Medical School Headquarters.